Morning, this show orgasmic. <laughs> it's hilarious. That was Tom Thibodeau, the head coach, and Jalen Brunson, the best player on the New York Knicks NBA playoffs. Knicks Cavaliers game three coming up from the Garden later on tonight. We've done a lot of politics today, a lot of news, a lot of law. We'll take a break from that now. Now, I am on record with Brian Kilmeade this morning saying that I'm not going to lie to you. I'm much more excited about the Rangers and the Knicks. Just now. You know, I just can't explain it. Always love both sports. I think equally during the regular season, but for me, there's nothing like the Stanley Cup playoffs. And the Rangers are off to an amazing start. Knickerbocker's great, too. You know, you split those two games in Cleveland, a, a real good effort in game one. I had a feeling game two would be tougher. I didn't think they played that badly, but they did. And the NBA playoffs, although, again, uh, I enjoy them less than the NHL, have been very good. Some of these series, Kings and Warriors, Clippers and Suns, the Lakers, very interesting stuff. So my next guest is, in my opinion, as good an NBA guy as anybody in the country. I mean that, as good as anybody in the country. Has a big-time show on Sirius XM. Also spends a lot of time as an analyst, uh, analyst, I should say, on NBA TV. He's my old buddy, Brian Geltziler. Brian, good morning, pal. How are you? I'm fantastic. First of all, I couldn't be prouder of you back on top. You are, you're, you're my guy, and you are back where you belong. Love having you in New York and love the job that you're doing there, which is awesome. Second of all, you just led me in with my favorite song. I like the karaoke. It's Raining Men uh, by the Weather Girls, which is absolutely fantastic. And the third thing I'll tell you, and this probably will surprise you, I, get, I grew up in West Orange, New Jersey, Conrad, um, and I grew up in a house where – as much as listen, my father was a college basketball player in the late forties, and so basketball's in my blood. But my dad was the biggest New York Ranger fan on the planet. Wow. He passed away five and a half years ago at the age sorry. of eighty nine. And up till the fact, Sid, okay, and we have that shared sorrow, you and I. But up till I will tell you the the end of the season before he passed away, my father was still watching. 80 Ranger games a year. When wow. he would take my mother out to dinner, he would come home to catch the replay and stay up till one in the morning to watch it. So when you say you're more excited about the Rangers than the Knicks, 
I share that with you as well because, listen, I kind of put Nick fandom years ago on the shelf. I consider myself an NBA atheist. I am not like that in the NHL. I am, the Rangers have been fantastic in these first two games against a very, very good and impressive Devils team. Well, that's great stuff. All three of those things are great, and uh, I appreciate you uh, appreciating where I've come to in my career. Your father, God rest his soul, that is that is great stuff. But look, the Knicks, I still love them. And again, they, they got what they had to get. They split those two games in Cleveland. They come home tonight. You know, after game one, I said to myself, Brian, I said, where the hell are the Cavaliers going to get scoring? And then Darius Garland came out in game two and put in about 30 in the first half alone. And everybody seemed to be scoring for the Cavaliers in game two. So where are we in this Nick Cavalier series? After two games, does anybody really have the edge? Um, listen, I think the Cavs have an edge right now, even though they lost home court advantage. I thought J.D. Bickerstaff made a massive adjustment offensively going into game two. You bring up Darius Garland, who became unguardable uh, for the Knicks in game two. But more than that, I think that J.D. Bickerstaff, the head coach of the Cavaliers, made a determination that Donovan Mitchell can get a lot of points. That doesn't necessarily mean we're going to win. I need other people involved. So I spread this Nick defense out a little bit. And we they have other guys that are hard to guard. Now, Mitchell had 13 assists. He had 17 points on 11 shots. He was an enormous factor, but not in the same way he was in game one, where he had 38 points, where the Knicks forced him into inefficiency on 30 shots. The thing is, the, where the real, I thought the Knicks really got beat. Listen, Garland is a terrific offensive player. And if, if New York fans haven't watched a lot of Darius Garland, you are seeing a gifted, gifted player that even at times will subjugate too much of his game to accommodate Donovan Mitchell. Karis LeVert buried the Knicks off the bench yeah. in game two. With I, I, listen, I, I love Karis with the Nets. I love them with the Nets. I thought he was a great athlete. Yep. He's been so inconsistent this year, but this is. But you mentioned where were they going to get points? Listen, he abandoned Isaac Okoro early in that game. Isaac Okoro played, started the game and played two minutes for the Cavs. Wasn't hurt. Didn't get off the bench again the rest of the game. Now a lot of that is because he's the guy that's supposed to guard Jalen Brunson, and he just didn't do a good job on him in the second half of Game One. And it started out early on. It didn't look good there. And I, and I understood what Bickerstaff is thinking. He's got enough good defensive players on the floor that to. To your point, they needed points. So now what do the Knicks do here in game three to adjust back to that? First of all, they're going to need to figure out a way in one form or another to get R.J. Barrett better quality shots. Randall's going to get his and Brunson's going to get his. That's who those two players are. But the Knicks, because I, you talk about the Cavs getting enough points, I worry about the Knicks getting enough points. And early on in game two, they were getting out in transition. The Cavs played the slowest pace in the league. That is by design. The Knicks pay, played the sixth slowest pace in the league. That's also by design. But for the Knicks, they're not going to win the series playing slow. They have to figure out ways to speed up the Cavs because those transition baskets are really the Knicks' only form of easy yep. buckets yep. in this series. So they have to push some tempo and push some pace and find another scoring option. The other thing is this, and it's very important to watch tonight, Josh Hart was fantastic in game one, was doubtful to play in game two with a sprained ankle, and actually did play, was not himself no. on the defensive end of the floor. Correct. Hart's lateral movement and what he does defensively is enormous because he is their best Mitchell defender, and he is their best Garland defender, yep. and he's got to do a good job on one of them. Oh, he's not healthy. I, I'm sorry. I watched him play the other night. He went out there. He's got heart. He's got guts. I love him. He's got heart. Hart's got heart. He's not healthy. Yes, he does. Uh, we have about five minutes. I want to cover like three more series. Um, 
I'm really intrigued by the Lakers. I argue with my guys all the time here that on any given day when he wants to be, LeBron James is still the best player in the world. I'm sorry. You could have the Greek freak. You could have, I don't care. When he wants to be, he is still unstoppable. And, look, they had the second-best record in the NBA after the All-Star break. They split the first two with the Memphis Grizzlies. How dangerous are the Lakers, if at all? Very. Um, if Anthony Davis is on the floor and healthy and LeBron's on the floor and healthy, they're very dangerous. I give Rob Palenka and that front office and Jeannie Buss and her whole little crack committee there all the credit in the world for what they did at the trade deadline. They found the right kind of pieces to fit properly around LeBron and Anthony Davis, and you're seeing different guys have contributions different nights, and their player development program has done a nice job. It's interesting. I'll say this. Rui Hachimura, who's had two 20-point games in, in this series and has looked absolutely terrific, um, he came to them before the trade deadline for a second-round pick. He may be one of the reasons is the Wizards just fired their GM because he has looked terrific for them. So I, the Lakers are dangerous. The Lakers are really tough. Now can they, I think they can beat anyone in the conference. The question is, can they beat everyone? I'm not sure they can beat everyone because I just don't know that they can stay healthy enough to do that. But this is a fun Laker team, and we know this, Sid, about the NBA. The playoffs are always a lot more fun when yep. you have both coasts involved. Yep. And right now you have the Knicks on one coast and the Lakers on the other. And I don't know about the Knicks advancing, but I think the Lakers have a really good chance to advance in this series. No, I agree with you in this series. But uh, when the Suns got Kevin Durant, uh, I knew it was over. I thought it was over, I should say. Uh, so you had Durant to the, that roster of talent in Phoenix. They're up two games to one in their series against the Clippers right now. What do you see moving forward? If Durant stays healthy, is Phoenix, not man for man, the most talented team in the conference? They are clearly the most talented team in the conference. The question is, can they be connected enough because of how few games Durant plays? Durant still acts and looks like the new guy out there. Don't get me wrong, he's playing great. He had 25 points on 15 shots last night and, and got to the free throw line 11 times. So he still is playing Kevin Durant-style basketball, but he's not stepping in his lead dog role. And let's face it, he doesn't have to right now. Devin Booker's got two consecutive 40-point games, and the Clippers can't guard him. What's a bummer about this series is that it looked from the first two games, the Kawhi Leonard-Durant duel was so incredibly compelling because this Leonard load managed a big chunk of the season, only played 52 games, and came into the playoffs looking fresh as daisy, looking fantastic. Well, in the meantime, in game two, he aggravates a knee problem. And aggravating that knee problem ends up keeping him out of game three. And the Clippers were terrific last night in that loss at home. They were bringing a knife to a gunfight talent-wise. Westbrook <laughs> fought his backside off. Norman Powell had 42 points. Okay? The Clippers did everything they could. The Suns were just too talented. And that's the shame in this series, Sid. Give me Kawhi Leonard on the floor here, please. Yeah. And let's see these two guys go at it and duel. And it's not going to happen. But, again, when you, if you're going to win a championship – you need to have breaks like this. Phoenix catches <clears throat> a major break in this series with Kawhi going out. Now, we don't know if he'll be back for their next game on Saturday or not. It's just a major question mark right now, which, again, is a big bummer and great for the Suns. This is Brian Geltzahler during this uh, very exciting NBA playoff season. So we, uh, we've got East Coast bias over here. We know about Golden State because Steve Kerr wins a championship every year. We know about Curry. But there's a lot of teams out there we don't pay any attention to. Let's be honest. You do. You work in the business. But no one pays attention to Denver unless Jokic has a big game. And Sacramento especially. This kid, Fox, is a great, not good, a great basketball player. Sacramento was a top three seed in the West this year. No one could have told you that here on the East Coast. And now, yes, Golden State won game three, but that series is 2-1 to one Sacramento 
How dangerous are the Kings? Very. First of all, home court advantage in this series is enormous when it comes to playing the Warriors. The Warriors were the fourth worst road team in the NBA this year and the third best home team. Talk about a, a huge split between home and road for them. Sacramento's got home court advantage. And the Warriors had a chance to steal game one, missed a couple of big threes late that would have taken it. But the Warriors are struggling very badly with De'Aaron Fox. He's going where he wants to go, when he wants to go there. And the thing, you know, the game in this day and age, Sid, you know, is played either behind the three-point line or at the rim. Everybody's hung up on the analytics and playing what I like to call spreadsheet basketball. De'Aaron Fox doesn't play spreadsheet basketball. He plays that game in the mid-range. And if you want to back off towards a restricted area for him because he is lightning fast, he'll pull up from 12 feet and drain a pull-up in your face. Like, that's he, and he does what he wants when he wants. And the thing about Sacramento, they play one of the fastest paces in the league. Fox leads that pace and pushes the ball up the floor. He's a special, special player, and you're absolutely right. This was a guy, by the way, that a year ago was a bad contract. Sacramento couldn't move for any kind of value. But they've turned this thing around. They've turned Fox's attitude around through trading a guy he was competing for minutes and touches for in, in a um, Therese Halliburton. And now Fox has been tremendous for them. And it's leading. Listen, I picked Golden State to win the series at the beginning of the series. I'm not sure right now. No, I just don't no. know that Golden State's capable enough to win on the road. I agree. That I think, is the no. tough part here. I think the Kings do in this series. So in the end, and you and I will have these conversations. Hopefully, if you're around, I know you're very busy a lot because I think the road will be great. Uh, you're going Bucks and Suns. I know it's only the first round of the playoffs, but what is Brian Geltzado's pick for the NBA Finals? That's it. You know me well enough to know that I will stay on a prediction right down to the very end. I picked the Sixers and the Nuggets before the season began, and I'm staying there right now. The Sixers have they have an easy first round. They're up 3-0 in the Nets. They're likely to sweep them and then get a whole lot of time to rest. They're, they play slow. They're built to play slow and win in the playoffs. That's how the team's built up. And Pete can stay on the floor. I don't know if either Milwaukee or Boston can beat them in a series. Milwaukee, listen, with Giannis banged up and hurt, you know, it becomes a little bit of a different ball game for them. I, I, so I like Philly there. And I think everybody's sleeping on the Denver Nuggets. There's a reason they were the number one seed. They, they were the second-best home team in the NBA. And that's after a collapse at home late in the season. They're very, very tough to beat in that thin air. Jokic is special, but they went and brought in a couple of really good perimeter defenders in the offseason. Catavius Caldwell-Pope and Bruce Brown. Aaron Gordon just had the best year of his career. They have a good six, seven-man rotation that's very tough for anybody in the conference to match up with. So I'm sticking with Philly and Denver, Sid. That's what I'm looking at. And again, I'm a little stronger on Denver than I am Philly just because Boston's very deep and talented, as is Milwaukee. Milwaukee's really, really big, and that's definitely a concern for the Sixers. DG, as always, great conversation. Let's do it again next week as some of these series come to a close and see if you're any closer to the 76ers and Nuggets. Great catching up with you. Thank you for the kind words. God rest your father's soul. Let's go, Rangers. We'll do it again next week, buddy. Thank you so much. Let's go, Rangers, baby. It's always my pleasure. I'll do it as much as you want. I always love joining you, my friend. I never forget you. When I was nothing and only had a little website, you were putting me on your show in Florida. And yeah, all, all, all the love to you and your family, my Thank man. you, man. Well, you deserved it. You uh, you really are great. I mean, you. the first time I spoke to this guy, I was like, man, this guy's really good. He, he's a Jersey kid, so certainly there was some bias. But, man, is he smart. And he knows this game of basketball as well as anybody. Stephen A. Smith can yell and scream all he wants. My guy is Brian Geltzader. We'll come right back. Disco Friday. Sid Rosenberg. Talk Radio 77. WABC.